0: Our aim is to provide a solid foundation of Bible-based instruction to our church members to equip them to preach and teach the gospel wherever they might be. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Sometimes one of the first things you, you drop after you become a mother or after you are responsible for other people, one of the first things you drop is the working in the house of God. And then after you've dropped that, you find out that the private life or the house you are still building, the family life or whatever it is, that the profession, whatever it is that is so precious to you that you are still building and for which you have dropped the work in the house of God, is not working the way it should work. You get me? Because we need the grace of God. The Bible says that apart from me, ye can do nothing. The Bible goes on to say that except the Lord build, they labor in vain that build it. So sometimes when we we drop doing what God wants us to do in his house, then you find out that children don't just function because you have told them everything that you were taught. You've taught them how you've you've switched off the lights at 8 o'clock, but the people in the rooms are not asleep. You get me? Then it gets to a time when you can no longer switch off the lights. You get me? So because person is too old for you to go into their room to switch off the light. At that point, who is going to speak to the child? The child has to know the Holy Spirit himself, and the Holy Spirit has to influence the child. So today I want to talk about our Christian lives as mothers. You get me? In in the Bible, there are several models for Christian women. And one of the models is Proverbs 31. Another model is Titus 2. And then if you read through the Bible, there are so many different models, whether it's the characters of uh, women we read about, or, or anything we learn that God says to the uh, women in the Bible. But today I'm preaching from Titus 2. I want to talk about the Titus 2 woman. Because when our Christian lives are working the way they should, we are the kind of mothers that God wants us to be. But when we drop our Christian life, then we find out that the mothering is not working anyway. You are trying everything You are hearing, and it's not working. Titus chapter 2, verse 1. Titus chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober. Aged is another way of saying the older men be sober. Grave, temperate sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Then he goes on to say that the aged women likewise, the, that, that's the older women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Amen. 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 That, the age, that the aged women likewise. That's what the Bible says. The older women likewise. That they be in behavior as becometh holiness. There's a translation, I believe it's the NIV. The NIV says that the older woman should be reverent. So the older woman should have a reverence for the things of God. And when you have a reverence for the things of God, it shows. And when you don't have a reverence for the things of God, it shows. It shows more in your behavior than in what you say. So today we are going to go through some of the things that the Bible is saying that the older woman should do. Because by the time you are a mother, you are an older woman. Whether you start at 16 or whether you start at 35. That, I mean, your body is old enough. To, once you are old enough to bear a child you are old enough to be included among the older women. In the house of God, (laughs) once you start having children, you cannot easily say that you are a child. Everybody expects you, because you are supposed to take care of children, so everybody expects you to behave like a mature person. And even if you haven't had children, once you are old enough, you are supposed to behave mature. You are supposed to do what an older woman does. The Bible says that without holiness... I cannot see God. You cannot see God. When you work for a large organization, you can work very hard within the organization. But depending on the level for wh- at which you work within the organization, an organization, say, like maybe AT&T or a firm, you, have, you are a very hard worker in the place. You get there before you are supposed to get there. You stay sometimes over time, even when they are not paying you overtime, depending on your salary. But the CEO, he doesn't know you. You get me? Because you are, you, the level at which you are working does not, um, does not involve knowing the CEO personally. He doesn't know your first name. He probably sees, if he sees you at the Christmas party, he doesn't know your name. Even if you are introduced to him, he will forget by the time he moves to the next person. You get because you don't have that kind of a relationship with the person. But when the Bible says that the old, older woman must be reverent, it means that we must have a personal relationship with God. When you have a personal relationship with God, you don't just work for him. He knows you. Sometimes you work for God, but he doesn't know you. You preach, you sing, you act, you dance, you play instruments, you do everything. But God doesn't know you. Because for God to know you, he must be talking to you on a regular basis. You you get what I'm saying? There there, there was an old song that, that went something like this about, I spoke to him this morning. And for some of us, I mean, it's like we, 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 didn't, we don't speak to God in the morning. We don't speak to him in the afternoon. We don't speak to him in the evening. We have friends that we speak to regularly. So you know those people very well, and those people know you very well. But God, he doesn't know you, but you work in the house of God. And sometimes you ask, is it possible? Oh, it's very possible. The, the longer you've been around, the, 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 the more likely it is that you, are, you can work in the house of God and he does not know you. How, if you read the Bible, you find out that Jesus said to some people that you will come to me in the last day, on, on the judgment day, and you will say to me that I prophesied in your name. Can you believe it? Prophecy is supposed to be one of the really spiritual things. And so Bishop started saying that the word of God is prophecy. The rest of us, we didn't know that we, we ever spoke prophecy. But because prophecy is supposed to be one of those really, really powerful things that when you do, you're, you're able to predict the future. You get what I'm saying? And he said, you will, say, you will, say, you will pro- you say, I prophesied in your name, and I will tell you that I didn't know you. You will say that I cast out devils in your name. Can you imagine? For some of us, if they say someone is demon-possessed, you will go the other way. You know, you, don't, you are not going to remember at all that you are a shepherd in lighthouse, that there was training, that there was anything about casting out demons. You are just going to go the other way and say that the more adventurous people and the people who like to jump around in the prayer meeting. They should go and cast out the devils. But you can, So you can actually cast out demons. It is surprising to me. And the Lord is going to say that, I don't know you. So as, as mothers and as women, our personal relationship with God is very, very important. The babies we have had and the children they have become and the young men and women they have become, they need our prayers. And somehow, as your children grow older, you will testify that you will realize that they, what they need more from you is the prayers. Because in a, at a certain point in everyone's life, they are making their own way. And they need to know that God, they need God. And if someone doesn't know himself that he needs God, and he only uh, relates to God when you are around, that's a problem. When, you are not, when your kid walks into a college dorm, will he get up and go to a church service? When you are not there to say, let's go, now. Nah. When you are not there, will your child go to a church service? When you are not there, will your child have his or her quiet time? Do we even ask our children about quiet time? Recently, little reverend was telling me, because we were with her in Boston a couple weeks back, and she said she realizes that we are supposed to ask the, our children about their quiet time. The same way we ask younger Christians in church, and we've been asking for years You see, we ask other people all the time. Um, uh, uh, Was it last week, a lady called me who used to go to the Newark church. She doesn't go to the Newark church anymore. She hasn't been around any of our lighthouse branches in like seven or maybe six years. And she wanted me to do her a favor. And I said, okay, I'll do it. So I met her somewhere and we sorted it out. And then she said, you know, I have this message here. You used to ask me about this. I have this message here, and she still had them in her car. I have this message here because she was in the New York church for wh- quite a while. Then I asked, my, I, w- I was wondering to myself, have I ever preached as much to my own children? This lady is, is in her early 30s. Have I, the way she says, I remember you said this, then she would laugh, and then she would say some of the things didn't apply when I was younger, but some of it is applying now. Then I remembered what Lady Reverend said about preaching to our own children. We ask our children, we ask our children, sometimes I ask my son, ask my son, how are you doing in school? How well are you doing? If he says, this is difficult, I say, you should be studying more. You should be playing games less. But do we ask them, Have, are you having your quiet time? Is your relationship with God going the way it should be? When he says, when they tell you, yes, I've had my quiet time, you know, sometimes that, yes, it's, uh, it's a kind of stop talking mommy kind of um, it's more a way of saying, stop talking, mommy. You're saying yes so that you just stop talking. You should ask the same way you'd ask a younger Christian in church if you're an active shepherd. You get me? You, you, you will ask a young Christian, what did you study for your quiet time? You get me? And then the person tells you that, oh, I just read. Then one of my sons, he said to me once, I just read the summary. I said, you're not supposed to read. You know you're not supposed to read the summary. You're supposed to read the Bible yourself. You're supposed to get your own revelation from it. And then you are supposed to do this. And we have to pray that that part of their lives will work. But it won't work if we don't do it ourselves or if we don't continue to do it ourselves. We're supposed to have a personal relationship with God. And I know it's easier to leave the teenagers alone. It's easier to leave the young adults alone and hope that uh, somehow it will all work out. But you can't keep on leaving things alone. The same way, you don't leave their education alone. If your kid wakes up and says he doesn't want, it's not going to school that morning, you will not allow the person to stay home. So sometimes you wonder, why are we so lackadaisical about Christian things? You, why are we so old? I mean, it's like, does, does it really matter so long as the kid is doing well in school, so long as the young lady is getting married, so long as, but you see, us becometh holiness, a reverence that we can pass on to the next generation. And the thing about a reverence that you can pass on to the next generation is that it doesn't come easy. Because it's one thing to do something yourself. It's another thing to pass it on to a generation that sees you easily as old or old-fashioned. So you have to find a way of connecting with your children. You have to find a way of connecting with older people. Because with younger people. If you don't find a way of connecting with them, as they get beyond the God stars... You will see that Christianity will become less and less and less relevant to them. I like the drama group, what, I mean, what the drama group was sharing about not giving up no matter what you are saying. Because I remember that is something that Pastor Ko used to say when he pastored the Safe Church. He said, he was telling a, a, a group of us mothers, he said, when they are teenagers, don't give up because of what you see. Pray, continue to pray continue to pray till the Holy Spirit takes a hold of them and it will amaze you what God can do. You see, but when you give up because of what you are seeing and what you are hearing, then the child is not going to make it. And you and I know that no matter how blessed you are in life with the physical things of life, you need God. But maybe it's not so obvious to them as they are going, as they are going right now. So holiness is important and the holiness that they can see. And the holiness that they can feel. A reverence for God that they can see and feel. The Bible next talks about, in that passage, about not being a false accuser. The thing about growing old is is that you've usually been around for a while. And when you've been around for a while, you've had experiences. Some good, some bad, some not so great. And you you, you can start letting the experiences color everything that you say and do. So you can be a false accuser. You can be a false accuser at home. You can be a false accuser in the church because growing older with all the experience it gives you can also make you a cynical person. So the Bible says to the pure, all things are pure. And one of the things I, I, I remember, Lady Reverend has been emphasizing in, in the, last, the last couple of times I've spoken to her is this that it's important for an older woman to not be a false accuser. Because the the tendency to be cynical and to see things in a a, a twisted way or to see things through the filter of experiences you've had is very great as you grow older. So if you are not going to be a false accuser, you have to be walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Otherwise, the experiences of life will turn you into a false accuser. Without, just, just, it would just, because even in the church, it's like, I've been here for a long time. I heard someone say once, I was here when Apostle Joel was here. You the person said, I was even here when Bishop Adi started the church. You get me? And I was wondering why the person was uh, stressing. But something had happened and the person was hurt. And I wanted to tell the person that, Reverend is NY1, I'm NY2. So, you, you, there's not, you haven't been here longer than I've been here. <laughs> you, you get, Reverend is NY1, I'm NY2. So, so, so. But you see, that what a person was saying, that something had happened, the person was hurt, and so it's like, I will no longer do a certain type of good in the church anymore. You can, but if we become like that, then the church cannot become what it's supposed to become. We are supposed to grow older, yes. We are supposed to stay in the church and not leave the church. Bishop always says that. But we are supposed to do that without becoming false accusers. Still being able to do the good that we have always done. Amen at home, in church, in our marriages, we are still supposed to be able to do that the next thing that, that verse talks about is not giving too much wine and usually I find this part of the passage quite funny I find it funny because typically um, I feel that women don't drink or are not tempted to drink and I've, I've been told i have been told I've been told that I'm very mistaken I've been told that I'm very mistaken <laughs> I've been told that I'm very, very mistaken. And when we were in Boston, Lady Reverend said, you know, now that the church is all over the world, one of the countries in the world where she finds that women drink a lot is Zambia. And she said, look, the women drink even in the morning. They, drink, they, drink, they, pour, they can pour alcohol into teapots tea and teacups. So you see a teapot and you think that someone is making tea. In Zambia, they they are not making tea at all. The alcohol has started very, very, very early. So, perchance, I would have skipped this verse, but I hear that I'm not supposed to skip the verse. Depending on where someone comes from, depending on what they've been exposed to early in life, alcohol is a problem. If alcohol is a problem, then it's one of those things you're not supposed to do as an older woman in the house of God. Like I said, older is relative. You've had a baby at 16 You have moved yourself very fast into the category of older women. And then for some people, even if you haven't had a baby yourself, you know. Depending on your age, you are already an older woman. You are supposed to behave right. So so, so some some things we excuse younger women for. But depending on your age, with or without children, mind you, with or without children, people look up to you. You are nurturing people in the house of God if you are doing what you should be doing. So what we are talking about applies to you. Then the verse goes on to say, not giving too much wine, teachers of good things. Teachers of good things can last forever. So let's see what, what are some of the good things that we can talk about. Teachers of good things. The thing about teaching something is that if you don't know it, if you don't practice it, you can't teach it. Because the way life works, you can't give what you don't have. So, if you don't do something, it is difficult to teach it. It is difficult to say that this is the way it's supposed to be done. When you don't do something, it's difficult to teach it. So, what are some of the good things? You would think that uh, we have shepherds meeting. We've been having post-training. We've been learning on Tuesdays about how to become a shepherd. You would think that uh, that should cover all the things we are supposed, the good things we are supposed to do. do in life. So if you are a shepherd and you've gone through the post-training, you've passed the exams, you what else have you done? You can do PVCI or PVTI, even if we wake you wake up in the middle of the night, it will flow. You get what I'm saying? P is for prayer. Your prayer life is working, the visitation is working, the counseling and the teaching of the word is working, and the interaction is also working. But the Bible is talking about good things and it doesn't include any of these things. And it's saying that the older woman must teach the younger woman these things. And so we want to look at some of the good things that we are supposed to teach. Teachers of good things. You have to do it yourself so that you can teach it. You have to believe yourself that is the word of God. You have to believe that the part of it that you find difficult, you must pray about and still do so that you can convince someone else that it is important. You are not just supposed to pass post-exams. But as a woman, you're supposed to do these things. The Bible says that, wait, turn with me in your Bible, please, to 1 Timothy 2, 2, verse 9. 1 Timothy 2, verse 9. We'll come back to titles, so please don't lose that. It says, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shame, shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Today, I really want to talk just about, the, of, about sobriety, about being sober about being sober. What does it mean to be sober? What does it mean to be sober? The modest apparel part of it we'll say for our women's meeting, so that everybody can be happy today, right? We won't go there at all. So, we won't go there. No, no, no. This morning I'll stay out of modest apparel. So, let's go. Let, let's, let we must be sober in our emotions because as women we can lead with emotions. We tend to be quite emotional, And we want everything to, if we don't take it, the emotions will lead and direct everything. The Bible says that they that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. They that are led by the Spirit, they are also the daughters of God. Sons includes the daughters of God. We're not supposed to be led by our emotions. We're supposed to be self-controlled. So I'll give you two examples I had recently within the branches of our church. Is a lady? She's having a tough marriage, and the marriage is getting was getting tougher and tougher. This is not somebody else's church, lighthouse. The marriage is getting tougher and tougher and tougher, and she's like, "Okay, I've had it." And the things she's dealing with are difficult things. You see know, some of the things that some of us want to complain about, they are not difficult things. So you just haven't had been exposed to what a difficult marriage is. That's why you think it's difficult. So, but this woman is going through what even if you put five lady pastors together from different continents, they would say, this one is hard. This is really hard. From, based on all their experiences, and she's, at a point she said, okay, I've had it, I'm leaving. So her pastor tried to tell her, don't leave. As tough as it is, the Bible says that God hates divorce. They said everything they, they could say, and she filed for divorce. And since he didn't answer it, I think in that country, in 14 days, if the person doesn't answer, it, uh, answer the petition, doesn't show cause she was home and dry, she got the petition. Two days later, she was crying. She said, I want to change my mind. And now I've decided that it wasn't so bad, and now I'm seeing the points in the word, and I want to go back. But you've already taken the decision, and he says he doesn't want you back. So now what are you going to do? You've you've taken the decision. Unless he decides to remarry you, the divorce is also a decree. It's final. You you get what I'm saying? Then the other one that bothered those of us who heard it more was this other story where the lady was in 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 a branch of the church. She's married. She's having a tough time. And then she leaves. She leaves the marriage. So she left. But the brother stayed in the church. And she stayed in the church. Now, these churches are quite complex places, you know. So, <laughs> and pastors have to navigate through all the complexities however they work. So, so, so um, they are in this branch. And they are both there. Then the brother suddenly changes. Starts taking every word of God seriously. Every shepherd's meeting seriously. Becomes a great shepherd in the house. Then here comes a sister... In the church, who I think either she doesn't—I don't know whether she didn't know the story or whether she knows the story. The sisters, you can't be sure. Some of them couldn't care less. Some of them couldn't care less. But anyway, whether she whether she knew the background or whether she didn't know the background, it's not it's not our job to provide her with the background. So she walks into the church. What she's looking for is a Christian husband, and here is this nice Christian brother. He is doing well in the house of God. He's praying in tongues. He's available. He's teaching the word. He's working hard. And so there is a wedding in the house of God. And she's married to him. So now the, the, the first wife says that she can't be in the church. Seeing how somebody else has gotten this great husband, she said, and she said to the pastor's wife, I used to pray for him all the time. And the pastor's wife wife said, that's what I tried to tell you. That one day God will answer your prayers. But you weren't patient enough to wait. You see, this is where we differ from our mothers. Even for people my age. Our mothers stayed in their marriages no matter what happened. Some of the things that they had to go through, we wouldn't live through for a second. And our mothers knew fewer verses than we know. (laughs) <laughs> we know more verses and we pack our things more easily and you wonder why, why, why don't the verses help us? We know so many verses we preach we, we, we go on evangelism some of our mothers went to orthodox churches you, they can count the verses they knew but what they had in life was what they had in life they dealt with, I mean, some of them that, I, I, some of my mother's friends, they have kids who, like you have a child in May. Your, 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 your rival has a child in June. Then the, the, the two years later when you, if you look at your uncles and your families, that's how the families work. They are polygamous families. Two years later, you have a child in um, August. Uh, somebody else, this one is a third person. She has a child in November. The birthdays flow through, but through it all, Through it all, they knew the meaning of through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus and I've learned to depend upon his word. And we who know so many verses, we are churning out all these women and all these mothers who pack up their things so easily. Please don't get upset with me if your situation is more difficult than usual. But the the word of God is the word of God. Think about this woman. So at a point she said, I can't stay in this church anymore. To watch this woman and this young lady too was always testifying about the goodness of her husband. Constantly testifying. About how good, about how good the Lord had been to her. Constantly, constantly. If if you hang around, I mean you would hear the story. If you hang around, you would, and then you would see him yourself, up and coming pastor, up and coming reverend at a point she said, no, I have to go to church somewhere else to see somebody else reaping the results of my prayers. It's too much. And I guess maybe it's probably a good thing for her. But what I'm trying to say is that we have to be more patient when we are praying, whether it's for husbands, whether it's for children, whatever it is we are praying about. I remember um, there was a, There's a man of God, um, he he came to preach to us once, Reverend Steve Mensah. So for those of you you who know, I remember one day when he was preaching, one of the things that he said was that Abraham was a friend of God. And some of us, we are not even, God doesn't consider us friends. But Abraham, the Bible, God himself said that Abraham was his friend. And for 20-something years or 25 years or something like that, 27 years, God had not answered his prayer for a child through Sarah. And he was a friend of God. And some of us, we are, we are not even God's friends. It's because we, even servants, it's difficult to say that we are servants. He is not on such terms with us. If he was to list his friends in the room right now, you know that it would take a lot of grace and mercy for you to even make it to the bottom of the list. So why are we so impatient to see the answered prayer? Why can we not wait to see the answered prayer? A woman of God and a mother in God's house must be willing to wait to see answered prayer. I I mean, St. Augustine is an old time Christian. I mean, those of you who know, went to Orthodox churches or went to Christian schools where they taught about the saints and he was the worst kind of unbeliever. The reason why his life changed when he was a grown man because he had a mother called Monica who prayed all the time. I think she was called Monica of Hippo or something like that. She pray- and and, and, and the, the priests and the people who knew her, what they say of her in the history books is that she prayed for an unbeliever son more than most people pray for a believing child. Because, for, I, mean, so, I mean, at a point, even when she was an adult and the child was not doing what he should, do, the man was not doing what she should, do, she prayed. That's why he became one of the greatest saints of all time. We're not supposed to give up on our prayers for our children. And if and, and so you must have a personal relationship with God so that you can pray for the children. The other thing we are supposed to so we are supposed to be led by the spirit, not by emotions. Not by emotions. The other thing I want to say about the Titus 2 woman is that if you don't have a model in the Bible to follow, where being a woman is concerned, you will follow another model. You will follow another model, you will pick a model from the world. You will pick, depending on what you are interested in in life, you will pick a model from 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 people in your career. You will pick a model, you will just pick a model somewhere. When I, when I left uh, college, one of the things I'm glad Bishop Dag always said to some of us was that, you see, if you go to, if, if you, are, you are trained a certain way, a, a, a lawyer is trained to object on their feet. You can't let someone say something you don't like and then go home uh, think about it and come back and say that I object three days later. If you are saying something I don't like, as you are talking, I am counting everything I disagree with and everything I have a different point. I'm counting all the things I have to say as you are talking. I don't agree to this. I don't agree to that. I don't agree to that. I don't agree to that. But Bishop taught us that your house is not a courtroom. Your house is not... <laughs> Your house is not a law school. Your house is not a law school classroom. You are not in a moot court and you are not in a trial and you are not supposed to object to things on your feet. You you, you, you go what I'm saying. So so you, you are supposed to listen. You are that that is how you pick a model to follow because otherwise different things in your life will pick a model for you to follow. Your career can pick it for you. Your friends can pick it for you. The television can pick it for you. The books you read can pick it for you. Different things can be, become mentors to you if you don't look for the right mentor. And sometimes you say, okay, I don't know. Your, the word of God is your mentor. Titus 2 is your mentor as a woman in the house of God. Proverbs 31 is your mentor in the house of God. You, you have the mentors. The word is our mentor. There's, if we look at the word, it, should, it will tell us how we are supposed to behave as Christian women. You see, otherwise you are going to let whatever your background is, whatever your experiences are, they are going to pick how you respond to life. And you are going to end up at the end of life saying that I've spent a lot of wasted years because we didn't walk by the word. Because we didn't follow the models that God has picked for us. I want to talk about, I want to say that the other thing we are not supposed to do is comparing. The Bible says... When you're a Christian woman, if you go by your emotions, you'll come to all these wrong conclusions. The other wrong conclusion you can come to is something another young woman did in one of our branches. And then somebody else who didn't do it. You see, when you live with someone and you are married to someone. And mind you, you see, you as you do all these things, our children are watching us. Sons are watching mothers. Daughters are watching mothers. People learn more by our example, especially our children, more by our example than by what we say. People, they will always, and then, and that's for our children, they really know us. Make no mistake. They are not deceived at all. At some, some of the times, some of the comments my sons pass about me, I realize that they live with me. <laughs> they, you know, because it's like they are joking, but they have said what they, what they want to say. I'm sure Auntie Felicia will agree with me. They, they live with you. They know. They know how you will react to something. They know what you are likely to say. So, what this lady did was that, you see, because this person doesn't have a model. She's not following Titus chapter 2. She's not following Proverbs chapter 31. There's no model in the Bible she's following. So, she's having a tough time at home. You see, and the thing about life is that everybody has challenges. You, see, you, you, you get what I'm saying? Single, married, whoever you are, everybody has challenges. So, she's having challenges. And she has this nice male coworker at work who always picks up her bag, who always opens the car door, who always holds the door. You, 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 get, you get what I'm saying. Who always does the right thing. And then she has this husband at home who is, 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 is screaming and yelling, like everyone is saying, screaming and yelling all the time, always has something to uh, criticize, something to complain about. And you see, and, and, and so, so sometimes you think that you're the only person going through that. But there are other people going through the same thing and they are behaving properly. There are other people going through worse than you are going through and they are behaving properly. How do I know? I've been a pastor for a while, so sometimes I hear similar stories, but the behaviors are different. Behaviors are completely different. People have more difficult situations than you do, but they are behaving right. You see, the thing about not comparing yourself, sometimes you should also look around and see whose life is tougher. person's life is tougher. The person is doing everything they should do. So, you ask yourself, What am I complaining about? What do I have to complain about? This person has it a whole lot tougher. And they are doing what they should do. So this lady, in the comparison, because if you don't have a model in the Bible you are following, you you are not interested in um, everything the Bible looks old-fashioned to you. Because you have never let the spirits in the word reach out to you. You have never let the Holy Spirit make holes in your heart. You have never let the Holy Spirit reach you. So, she's comparing, and then she's coming to the conclusion that, you know, the way he's not, I should leave and marry the co-worker. The co-worker says he wants to marry me. You, 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 you go down, so she get out of the house and marry the co-worker. I mean, a Lady Reverend, uh, sometimes, this, this particular experience I haven't had, at least nobody has told me that before, but Lady Reverend told me this story. And she, she pastors all of us worldwide. And she said to me, she said to her that, you are behaving like a child. You are not behaving like a mature person. Your coworker is only exposed to a part of your life. Your co-worker has never uh, doesn't know you, doesn't see you in the morning like Reverend <laughs> doesn't see you in the morning before you get to work with your makeup in the right place, your hair in the right place. Your co-worker doesn't know how messy you can leave the house. Your co-worker doesn't know how much money you can waste. Your co-worker, you've never wasted his money before. <laughs> you see, you see, you don't know, you don't know what he would do when he thinks that his money has been wasted. He hasn't had that experience with you before. He works with you. You, you, you give me once in a while when you go out to lunch during work, he pays. Some of the other time, you pay. So he's never. You 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 don't know what your coworker would do in these situations. You don't know how he will be with your in-laws, with your family. You have no clue. He hasn't been introduced to your family. You see, so, so So, you see, in all these various areas, you and your spouse, because they are not so easy areas, everything comes up when you're married to someone. Nothing is sacred. When you're married to somebody, everything will come up. In-laws will come up money will come up, sex will come up and so many things will come up communication will come up, how you relate but if as for your coworker, you meet in this controlled environment, how do you go with the niceness of the person in that place and say that you are living and, and, and your best behavior Felicia and your best behavior because we are all very well behaved at work we are very well behaved at work it's, it's a version of yourself your spouse has been exposed to all the versions of you because it's not easy to act all the time. Yeah, I mean, if, even, the, even the people in Hollywood, they act on the screen. They, you can't act all the time at home. You are, they are real people. You see, so, so as this choice, somebody is asking, why are we saying all this? Because we, I think because we don't have a certain ability to teach younger women. We are losing that ability to teach younger women in the house of God. So we are not like the generation ahead of us. And the people behind us, As for them, they pack their things fast. I mean they don't, they don't they don't and let let, let everyone say we can't call ourselves women and mothers in the house of God. They pack their things real quickly. They are gone. The coworker is better. The husband is too difficult. This is that. And they don't ask um, and they won't listen to anything. And it's because we don't teach them that the models for living a Christian life haven't changed. It was the same a hundred years ago. It's still the same today. They are in the Bible. You're supposed to look in the Bible and do what you see has been done before you. But it gets tough when, it's, it, if Ruth hadn't listened to Naomi, if she hadn't followed Naomi, how would she have gotten to be in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? Every, every, everything that got her there was had to do with Naomi, following her to her home country doing what she said on the threshing floor, lying where she said to lie, doing what she said to do. But we have all these complicated um, and difficult relationships between older women and younger women. Older women sometimes feel, you're an older woman, you're not just responsible for your own children. You're also responsible for other, for younger women in the house of God. So, Lady Reverend was telling me that. So, the misbehavior of some of the young wives is the fault of the older wives. That is, from what we are seeing in the Bible, it's the fault of the older wives. Because there is no teaching going on in the house of God. Because no one, for all of us, different people taught us different things. But we have this situation where it's, you can sometimes, even, even for me, sometimes I see something these days. And one of the things I say these days is that I don't have the energy or the strength to say things the way I used to say them. You can, so sometimes I watch something, and I watch it, and I watch it. And I watch it. And I can see that. I can see. I can see. Because if, if you are older, you can see. You don't have to hear everything before you see it. Before you know that something is happening. So you can see it. And then you don't do anything. Let me understand that God will hold us accountable. As older women in the house of God who don't say anything about things we should say something about. Then the other side of it is that. So because we are thinking, ah, this, I don't like this person's attitude. And I can't deal with the person's attitude. I'm already dealing with my children's attitude, like the woman in the sketch. She's already dealing with my children's attitude in the house. I have to add other people's attitudes to it. Let me mind my own business. You can't mind your own business in the house of God. We are supposed to teach something to the younger woman. But be a teacher of good things. (laughs) Teach people to be sober. Teach people that marriage is not something you can go into and come out of just like that. It's not a shoe you are returning to miss, and not a pair of shoes. You are returning to Macy's. You can't return it. When you pick as a Christian, you are done. It's not a pair of shoes. It's not a dress. You get me? There's a dress hanging in my closet. I've been telling myself, I'm returning this dress. I'm returning this dress. I'm returning. And, and I think I'll return it. You get me? I'm going to pick the dress up and I'm going to return it. But I can't return my husband. You can't, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't return <retain> your, <laughs> you your husband. You can't return your husband. You can't return your husband. It doesn't work that way. Your children are watching you. You see, one of the things I find... I have a friend who has a husband who, uh, in the life, that everybody calls him an A1 husband. One of the things I found out about him is that his father is like that. You get me? And uh, quite a number of the people, people call A1 husbands in our system. When you check, you find out they had fathers who were like that. So, the word of God just buttresses what they are saying. You see, because it's easier to do what you have seen. You see? So, you can't retain... When it comes to a spouse. So in the same way, when you are picking one too, try and talk to people who are older than you. When your mother says something you, you are not too crazy about, pray about it. Don't just say she's old-fashioned. Pray about what she's saying because you can easily wake up, like Reverend was saying, say that proverbs of my mother. You get me? Your, your children should be able to grow up and say that my mother said this. And, in, and for all of us, some of the things our mother, our mother said about us, they were negative. And as you are living life, you can see it. If you don't correct this thing, your mother say, your mother knew. And sometimes we don't even act as though we know our children. The Bible goes on to say, the other thing we are supposed, apart from soberness, is love. The Bible talks about to love their husband. So you wonder, in this day of age, with all these romantic comedies and all the books and everything else, why do you have to teach anybody to love their husband? The person is happy on their wedding day. They are coming down the aisle. They've been planning this wedding for a long time. Weddings are getting more and more complex as the the days go by. There's destination wedding. There's every kind of wedding. And you wonder, so in this generation with all the fancy weddings, weddings, why does anybody have to be taught to love their husband? Because nobody's lovable all the time. You are not lovable all the time. I am not lovable all the time. Nobody is. And so you need divine love and you need the love of God. And you need to know that there's a type of love (laughs) that the Bible speaks about. It's agape love. It's a decision of your will. Then there's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I believe. It defines love for us clearly in the Bible. We are Christian women. If we don't live these things, the younger generation will not see it. If we don't live it, our children won't see it. Younger people around us won't see it. If we are all just picking up and going away, and if even if you are doing what you should be doing, and the younger generation around you is not doing it, that is also a problem. It is also a problem, because it, the, the question is why I. Because when we went to church with Lady Reverend, she affected us. She affected our marriages. She affected how we lived our lives. She affected the kind of clothes we wore. You, you, you get what I'm saying? But so how, how come in this day and age, we don't affect any of those things? You, you, you see, you, you, all of it cannot be the attitude of, of a younger generation. Some of it is also because there's no love and there's no care. But when it comes to loving a husband, that you just have to decide that at times I don't consider the person lovable, I am going to be a Christian. But sometimes our problem is that our Christianity is very weak. You see, the Christianity itself is a weak type of Christianity. How do we know it's a weak type of Christianity? Because think about someone like Jesus. Think about the great uh, Jesus himself. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he loved us. The Bible says when he was hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But you and I know that they knew what they were doing. Read the Bible. The Pharisees, they knew exactly what they were doing. They planned it. They, they had been planning it for a long time. But, so if you go by the fact that somebody knows what they are doing and you don't walk in forgiveness and you don't walk in love, you can't stay in your marriage. You can't stay there, mind you, to get to your tent. There's a time when you are the one who is not behaving properly. What's the other person supposed to do? other person is supposed to be a Christian. There's a woman of God who puts it this way, that what you can trust most about someone is the Jesus in the person. So the more of Jesus there is in someone, the easier it is to be married to the person. The less of Jesus there is in someone, the more difficult it is to be married to the person. If there's a lot of Jesus in you, it's easy because you do what you are supposed to do, not because of good behavior on your spouse's part, but because God's word asks you to do it. Then it talks about loving children. loving children. You think we all love our children, but do we love them enough not to enable them? Do we love? Because sometimes we just enable bad behavior. And we call it loving children. We allow our kids to do anything and everything. Another woman of God was visiting me not too long ago. And she said to me that, you know, we are very, our children are very different from us. I said, I, and she said, sometimes we don't even know how they got there. Because she, she was visiting me and her daughter was with her. And she said, you, when we were there at a certain age, teenagers, you don't have to be told to pick up a suitcase to put in the car. you go, Even this morning, actually, I don't even need that. This morning, Serena was behind me. And I got in here and I was helping someone with a few bags. And I was talking to my son and his friend. And I said to them, uh, and I was just talking to them. And then Serena came from behind me and said, ah, the two of you, just look at how many bags she's holding. One of you should take one, the other one should take one, and find out where she was going to put it. And I said to Serena, that, that, that's, that's correct. That's the thing. We don't even know how our children got there. And she was saying the same thing, because she and I were trying to put suitcases in the car. And her daughter was following us, happily. I mean, it wasn't a problem. You, you get me? It wasn't a problem for the, for the young lady at all to follow us. I have another uh, niece who visits me sometimes. If I start cleaning up, she moves as I move the vacuum cleaner. You get me? She, she, moves with her, she moves with her laptop as I move the vacuum cleaner. You get me? So if I reach this room, she picks up her laptop because she's a serious student and I don't know, I don't know, I, I haven't been to school. So she <laughs> moves to the next room and then she continues doing what she does. From time to time she'll ask me, Auntie, then she would say something. Then when I moved to the next part of the, the place, she moves the laptop. <laughs> and and so when her daughter was doing that, I told her that story. And she said, I, she said, we don't even know how our children go here. Because even that day it occurred to me that ah, shouldn't I say something to him?" I thought it's too much trouble. Even my own children, sometimes <laughs> I'm finding it difficult to so sort. I'm not, not going to tell somebody's daughter, no, you can't do that. You, but it's the wrong thing we are doing. We are enabling bad behavior. We are enabling bad behavior. You see, because Serena said it very politely, and what she said is the right thing. You're not supposed to do that. We are, we are, we are enabling bad behavior. And then we, we, we don't correct what should be corrected. We just, and because love, you see, God loves us. God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. But God corrects us. God corrects us. In Timothy, it says that the word of God is given for doctrine, for correction, for reproof. But we don't want to reprove anything. And then we are surprised what we are getting out of the younger generation. And there comes a time when you can't do anything about it. So loving your children means that we are suppo- supposed to do something about the bad behavior. We are supposed to do something. Sometimes something is not bad, but it would help the person no matter how professional a young lady is going to be at some point she's going to need to use a vacuum cleaner of some sort I, I, you you got, you, you got what i'm saying she's going to use need to use a vacuum cleaner she's going she, she's going she must know how to make stew so this daughters that we cook for all the time at least at least that those of us who have sons when we cook for them all the time we are, we, are, we can be in a certain sense we are excused they don't see their fathers cooking and we, we don't know how we we'll teach them how to cook you 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 go what i'm saying it won't work your fathers don't cook we can't teach them how to cook. You get what I'm saying? So, I mean, we are excused in that department. But, for, for some of, but even for some of the boys, sometimes I tell, I, I tell my sons, I, I, tell one of, I tell them, hold the door. I mean, you, you, you get what I'm saying? The things you are angry with your husband about, your husband is not your child. I tell my sons, when you are with me somewhere, hold the door so that I walk through it. Then one of them will joke, he will say, Shivari is dead. I say, I don't care how dead it is, hold the door. I don't get but, how, but we don't teach our sons, we, we don't, see, we are supposed to do the right thing. If we love our children, we will teach them the right thing. And if you don't teach them the right thing, life will have a way of teaching them, and that may be too hard. That may be too hard. You can't wait for somebody to be yelling at your daughter about cleaning up. Before you see that, she shouldn't be moving her laptop because, before she's, because she's studying. You, you can't, you shouldn't wait for that time. Then the, the last thing I want to talk about, I hear my time is up. The last thing I want to talk about is, is wisdom. It's being discreet. In the church of God, as older people, we get to hear a lot of things. You get what I'm saying? People tell us their problems. The Bible says that a talebearer bearer separated very friends. Sometimes the tale-bearer is ourselves. Because you have a problem and you tell too many people. If you tell too many people about a problem as it gets repeated, your spouse looks worse than they really are. Because you told too many people about the problem. Sometimes they tell Berah, eyes, us. You told the story too many times. You get me? You pick a godly person or two, you tell your story to them, and you do what they told you to do. Even if it's difficult. And if you're still having problems, you call the godly person back. Your pastor, an older person who is living life, and you do what they say to do. Believe you me, Telling everybody won't change anything. Think about yourself, how God struggles with you before you change one thing. Depending on who your husband is, it's not your talking which will make him change his mind. He already made up his mind. And the more you talk, the more he, you see, the Bible says that a nagging woman's house is like better to live on the corner of a rooftop. Than with a woman who is talking all the time about the same thing. So the house has become this place where he has retreated to some corner of the rooftop. And he still won't change what you are talking about. But the Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. You want him to change something he's going to do uh, with the children. It's prayer. It's not by fretting. It's not by fasting. Sometimes when you find yourself fretting and fasting, You have to speak to yourself the word of God. The Bible says fret not thyself to evil. The fretting won't go anywhere. It won't change any of his behavior. You see, so this Mother's Day, what I want to say to us is that we need to set an example for our children as Christians. Sometimes we set better examples when they are younger. And then as they grow older, we, I, I mean, you, you, I mean, it's getting too difficult. It's like, it doesn't matter what kind of an example I'm setting, but it matters the kind of an example you are setting. You are showing your kid what a Christian should be like. It matters. Let's not give up because they are growing older. And we don't see what we should see. What you be realize is that a young adult is different from a six or a seven-year-old. Whom you lay out their clothes and they wear it. A young adult will typically pick whatever they are going to wear unless you say something about it. And even sometimes after you say something about it, you have to I mean, decide whether it's more important for the person to come to church. Or to have an argument with the person till the person decides to stay home. You have to decide so many different things. You don't like their behavior. You don't like, if it's a boy, you don't like the girls he's bringing home. If it's a girl, you don't like the boys he's bringing bringing home. You don't like the grades they are getting. You don't like anything they are doing. We are still supposed to pray. We are still supposed to pray because we believe that prayer will change the course of their lives. Prayer will change the course of their lives. The Bible says that Timothy who wrote the chapter Timothy in the Bible, he had a godly mother and a godly grandmother. Mind you, he doesn't even mention any man in his life. But he grew up to be somebody that Paul trusted so much in the house of God. Ruth, Ruth came from godlessness. And because of Naomi's counsel, Naomi's teaching, she was in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. I believe our children can become giants in the things of God. If we will have faith, and if we will continue to pray like they, was, they showed us in the sketch, that your children are older, you don't like what you see. Like Bishop Oko says, keep on praying. And as you are praying, live by a model from the Bible. Live by the different models from the Bible. And I believe that we ourselves will be amazed that our children will do greater works than what we have done. Thank you so much. Amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want you to, as you sit down, I want you to bow down your heads. If you are a mother with young children, if you you don't have children yet, but you mother people anyway, and you are here in the presence of God, I want you to talk to God about the children in your life, about the teenagers in your life, about the young adults in your life. I want you to ask God to help you to be a good and a godly mother to them. I want you to ask God to help you yourself to follow a biblical model of living so that you will leave a younger generation behind that is stronger and better in the things of God and in obeying God than you have ever been. If you are here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. I'd like to pray for you as well. I'd like to say that the Bible says that, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will open the door, I will come into him, and I will dwell with him, and I will sup with him. So as we bow down our heads, let's talk to God. Speak to God very briefly. Everybody speak to God. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today for salvation. And I thank you today for godly models in the Bible and in our lives who encourage us to do what you have called us to do. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that your spirit is always with us, Lord, to enable us to be godly women, to enable us to trust you for the lives of our kids, to intercede for them, to intercede for the younger generation. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Too powerful. Hallelujah. We hope you've been blessed. For copies of this message or other such messages, please write to us at Publications at yahoo.com.